Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad you are here today. I'm looking around the room, and um, I'm glad anybody's here today. (laughs) (laughs) Must be summertime, uh, vacation time. A lot of people are traveling. A lot of people are away. And uh, uh, but I'm glad that you're here today. As our 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 choir said a moment ago, we got quality here today, right? Okay, we're, we're glad that you're here, and we welcome everyone and hope God's going to bless you in a very special way today. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. If you could do that, we'd certainly appreciate it. Uh, I want to uh, uh, thank you for our fellowship breakfast this morning. Chris's group uh, uh, supplied breakfast this morning. It was delicious as always, so we want to thank you for that. And, uh, and bring you up to date with some announcements that we have. First of all, our, our uh, upperclassmen group, our adult fellowship group, is planning a trip to um, uh, McCutcheon Meadows Historic Home, and that's in Auburn, Kentucky. That'll be on July the 21st. And uh, so please see Sue Berry for that if you'd like to attend. Uh, I tell you what, that group is quickly becoming the most active group in the, uh, in the church here. So jump on board and be a part of that. And it's a lot of fun and hope you can come and be a part of that. I'm not sure if there's a sign-up sheet somewhere for that, uh, but uh, take a look around and see if there is. If not, see Sue Berry uh, because I do know that we need to have a number for that. Uh, and Mary Dunham has some announcements to make. If you go, uh, go ahead and do that. She's a hop along. She's not going <laughs> to.
Thank you, Mary. Thank you very much. Okay, we got a lot of baseball going on here, don't we? Uh, speaking of which, we are going to be attending an Otters game. Uh, we get, got a group up, or getting a group up to go to an Otters game on July the 23rd, and I, there's a sign-up sheet back on the back uh, bulletin board, so please sign up for that. I think it's only five dollars for a, for a ticket, so you can hardly beat that. Uh, so uh, come and join that, and also. It's not in the bulletin, but we will be having a church council meeting today at 5 o'clock. So if you're part of the church council, please uh, be at our church council meeting today. It's great to uh, share this time of worship and fellowship with you. It's great to have this time together. So if you're able, please stand and let's, uh, let's share the love of Christ with one another and greet each other in the name of the Lord.
standing for prayer. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, like Adam and Eve, we often listen to the wrong voice turning away from your word. We are shamed by our disobedience, our deafness, our limited ability to do the right thing at the right time, or even sometimes to know what is the right thing in the right time. So forgive us, O Lord, for we are weak. Hear our confession, Lord, for we can hide nothing from you. Holding on to our sin only multiplies our sin, so help us to say to you what we can barely admit to ourselves. We are sorry for our wrongdoings. Oh God, we don't like to talk about sin, especially ours. It's too personal. Governments and leaders and people of all persuasions seek to justify themselves in all that they do and say and And we join right in there with them when we refuse to come before you, standing in the need of forgiveness. You taught us to pray to our Father, lead us not into temptation. As you were tempted in the wilderness and and used the word of God to prevail against your tempter, we pray that you would help us to do the same so that evil will have no power over us. And now as... The crops and the flowers are responding to the touch of your world. We pray that you will warm our hearts through our worship. We pray that you will water our spirits through our worship. We pray that you will help us to grow in your grace that we may produce fruit for you. For those known to us with special needs today, hear us as we name them in silence. Be with us, O God, as we worship you today and as we go from here to be your hands and your feet in the world. Amen.
pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the light of your word. Thanks for lighting up our darkness so we can walk confidently and securely in this life. Help us not only live by your light, but to share it with those who are in darkness. Amen. Today will we be reading Romans chapter 7, verse 14 through 25. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer that it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want. It is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of my of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members of another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will rescue rescue me from this body of death? Thanks to be to you. Thanks be to 
to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, and with my mind, I am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh, I am a slave to the law of sin. I don't think I've ever heard that song without chills kind of going up and down my spine. Uh, thank you, Christine and, and Jika. What a beautiful, beautiful song and beautiful rendition. How many of you are like to fish? Got a few. Got a got a few fishing fishing folks here. You know, I, I preached a sermon one time that I titled "Fish Stories." It's about tales of fishermen. Well. Spencer Homan, a pastor, tells an exciting but true story 
about the great tuna run of 1998. The story begins with tuna running about 30 miles off of the coast of Cape Cod. But what makes this so exciting is that a run like this hadn't happened in over 47 years. And the tuna were not only running, they were also biting. This was a fisherman's dream. All you needed was a sharp hook and some bait, and you could haul in a bountiful catch. You could even make some money. Rumor had it that uh, Japanese buyers would pay up to $50,000 for a nice bluefin tuna. But here's the catch. You see, Atlantic bluefin tuna can get up to be more than 900 pounds. 900 pounds, which, is, which can be a pretty big problem if you're not an expert fisherman. And some, of the, some fishermen, not every fisherman is an expert, believe it or not. I know that fishermen will disagree with that, but not every fisherman is an expert. And some of these non-expert fishermen got themselves into a whole lot of trouble during the great tuna run of 1998. Because you see, the tuna is a very powerful fish. And it's a lot easier to hook one than it is to get it into your boat, especially if you have a big one. So it was a problem on September the 23rd, 1998, when so many inexperienced fishermen ignored the warnings of the Coast Guard and went heading out in their small boats to take advantage of this tuna run. One such boat, the Christie Ann, a 19-footer, capsized while doing battle with a tuna. Another one, the Basic Instinct, suffered the same fate. And still another boat, a 28-footer named Official Business, was totally swamped after it hooked a 600-pound tuna. The tuna literally pulled it under the water. Well, Holman says these fishermen underestimated the power of the fish that they were trying to catch. And then Pastor Holman says this. That is exactly what temptation does to us. It takes us by surprise. It looks manageable on the surface, but it is only after we hook into it that we discover its strength, and by then it may be too late. We find ourselves being pulled under. And he's right, of course, isn't he? Through the ages, millions of people have been pulled under by the power of temptation. For a lighthearted example of that, who hasn't given in to the power of a delicious, moist, rich piece of chocolate cake? (laughs) Regardless of how how hard we try to resist it, and and maybe we shouldn't use that as an example this close to lunch, Uh, but, but it's something that most of us can relate to, can't we? I heard about a lady who was scowling at her friend as they sat in a cafe, and and she said, I thought you said you were counting your calories. And her friend, who was enjoying her second piece of chocolate cake, said, I am, and so far today this makes 7,750. And, of course, chocolate chocolate lovers are not the only ones um, where dieting is a constant battle. One woman noticed her husband standing on the bathroom scale, and he was sucking his stomach in, and she said, that's not going to help. And her husband said, sure it does. It's the only way I can see the numbers. 
course, I'm making light of a problem that's, that's a very serious for a lot of people, but, but I want us to be able to relate to these words from the Apostle Paul when he says, although I want to, good, to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am, he says. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Is there anybody here who has ever done battle with temptation? Or maybe I should say, is there anybody here who has never done battle with temptation? We all have, haven't we? And some of us fight that battle every day of our lives. And sometimes it's, it's like fighting a giant tuna. We get pulled under and sometimes it, it's even, it even looks like we might drown in our temptation. Some of you know what, what that's like, don't you? It's a battle that many of us wage all of our lives. There are things that we know that we ought to do but it is so hard to motivate ourselves to do them. And there are other things that we know that we should not do. They they can be destructive to us, and yet we just go right on ahead and do them anyway. Can you resonate with Paul's words? What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Can there be a more relevant passage of Scripture for many of us today? My friends, doing what is good and avoiding what is wrong is the primary battle of the human condition today. It means taking control of our lives and ruling our passions, those deep inner desires that we have. It means taking control of that. Have you ever had that struggle in your own life? Someone once said that there are two pains, only two pains in life. There's the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. And then he adds, discipline weighs ounces while regret weighs tons. And that's true, isn't it? If we could only discipline ourselves, we could have a remarkable life and avoid all of the regrets that we face as a result of an undisciplined life. But the question is, how? How do we do that? How do we win that battle over our own desires and and actions? Legendary management guru Tom Peters understands this problem. Um, Most of us have a to-do list. How many of you keep a to-do list? Some, yeah, some of you do. I live by my to-do list. If I don't have a to-do, if it doesn't get written down, it doesn't get done. That's how much I I depend on my to-do list. But listen to this. 
Peter also has what he calls his to-don't list. We have our to-do list. He has his to-don't list. And it's an inventory of behaviors and practices that, that he says saps his energy and diverts his focus. Things that just ought to be avoided. As Peter puts it, what you decide to decide not to do is probably more important than what you decide to do. That's an interesting, interesting perspective from a, a business guru, don't you think? So do you have a to-don't list? I saw your to-do list hands. Do you have a to-don't list? Maybe you don't have it written down, but I'll bet you have one in your mind. Uh, it's, it's a part of your value system. There are some things that, that you've already made up your mind that, that you'll never do. You'll never cheat on your taxes. You'll never cheat on your spouse. You'll never commit murder. And, and, and most of us could improve our lives if we just expanded that list of to-don'ts and put them down on paper. Sometimes we call it willpower. Or in this case, want power. <laughs> and did, did you know that psychological studies agree that, that Peters is on to something here? They show that willpower is the single most important habit for a successful life. In fact, these studies indicate that self-discipline or willpower is more important than IQ in how well students do in college. Did you hear that? And that shouldn't really surprise us. I mean, self-disciplined young people, they spend less time watching TV and they have fewer absences from classes. They're more likely to earn higher grades and, and gain in admission to the more selective schools. Think about that for a moment. You want to help your student get scholarships so they can avoid the, the burden of, of massive student loans? Then help them discipline themselves. Help them get the discipline in their lives and so that you can set them on a path of, of, of lasting success. But it's not just true of students. It's true in all of life. Willpower is more important to success than talent. We all know it's true, don't we? At all stages of life. If you could make yourself do everything on your to-do list and, and eliminate everything that you have on your to-don't list, you'd probably be a superstar at the office, in your home, at school, or any other endeavor in your life. If we could just get control of our to-do list and our to-don't list. Plato once said, for a man to conquer himself is the first and noblest of all virtues. John Milton put it like this, he who reigns within, within himself and rules his passions, desires, and fears is more than a king. But how do you do that? How do you rule your passions and desires? How do you develop good discipline? It's kind of like fighting a giant tuna, isn't it? How do you, how do you pull it into the boat? Well, nobody can do it for us. It's a battle that each of us must face every day. And even Paul himself writes, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? So what's the key? 
Well, experts tell us that establishing good habits is the key to strengthening either willpower or want power. And it's true, isn't it? If you establish the right kind of habits in your life, life, you won't even have to think about what is the right thing to do in any given situation. Doing the right thing will just come naturally because it's a habit. Psychologists tell us that, that developing good habits can become our default behaviors so that regardless of what the situation may be, we will act in an appropriate manner. Those of us who have computers, you understand what a default setting is, don't you? You know what a default setting is. For, for example, the font on your micro, Microsoft Word document, your, your uh, default might be Times New Roman. And so anytime you begin the document, the Times New Roman font will automatically show up on your screen. But if you want to begin your document in Arial font, font for example, guess what? You have to reset the font. You have to change it. Well, a default behavior is just like that. It's your natural way of acting. It's your go-to response, particularly when you're under stress. For example, some people, when they're under stress, they, they almost always get angry. Sometimes others get depressed. That's their default setting. That's their default behavior. And that can change, of course, depending on who's around. If the pastor's visiting that day or maybe your mother-in-law, you might use different language when you get frustrated than you normally would use. You know, I've, I've always found it amusing that when you play golf and you don't have a foursome, sometimes they'll hook you up with a, a stranger to speed things along to form a, a foursome. And... and the typical interaction is that on the first tee, you just kind of make the perfunctory introductions. Hi, my name's Tim Hobbs, and my name is so-and-so. And, and, and then along about the third or the fourth hole, it gets around to, so what do you do for a living? And everything changes after that. <laughs> when people find out that I'm a pastor, all of that frustration over whiffed balls and missed putts suddenly is expressed in a different way. It's kind of funny, actually. But according to these studies, we, we, we only have a limited reservoir of self-control. And, and so when we get stressed out and we get tired or emotionally or mentally preoccupied, our ability to will ourselves to eat properly or to be polite or any other positive behavior it wanes. When we get stressed out and tired and mentally and physically depleted, our ability to control what we do and what we say wanes. And, and when that happens, we resort to our default setting, our ingrained habitual behaviors. And sometimes those behaviors are not in our best interests. Maybe we overeat or we get drunk, or we go on a shopping spree just to make ourselves feel better. But there are other behaviors that can be our default behaviors under stress that are in our best interests if we have established the right habits, the right default settings. 
Researchers surveyed uh, college students and found that when students were tired and under stress, such as during the week of, of finals, they would default to, to good behaviors or bad behaviors, depending on their habits, their defaults. For example, students who habitually ate a healthy breakfast every morning continued to do so during exam week, while students who routinely ate uh, junk food ate even more junk food during exam weeks. So do you see that whatever you you have established as a habit, that's the behavior that you will resort to during your times of stress. So if you want to guard against giving in to our to-don'ts, then the secret is to set up new healthy habits. That's a part of the secret of the success of NFL coach Tony Dungy, one of the most respected figures in professional athletics. He was famous for helping his players form the right habits. Champions don't do extraordinary things, he said. They do ordinary things, but they do them without thinking about it. Too fast for the other team to react. They follow the habits that they have learned. And that's true. It's true in athletics. It's true in in the job. It's true in all of life. If you create uh, uh, healthy habits, you'll create a healthy life. And, of course, it'll be easier if you start out when you're young doing those things. And that's why it's so important for, for parents to help their children establish positive habits when they're young. But it's never too late, thank goodness. Even if it's a simple matter of substituting an hour each day for a long walk rather than sitting in front of the TV or, or something like that. The, the more good habits to that you establish in your life, the easier it will be to substitute the to-dos for the to-don'ts. But still, it won't be easy. It's hard. It's hard work to do this. Even Paul himself writes, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? And then he writes, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is to say that we are not alone in this. There is help for us in the battle of the to-dos versus the to-don'ts. We have someone who will come alongside of us and will help us with our struggle with temptation. And that's where prayer comes into the picture. That's why prayer is so important. You see, prayer is not simply a matter of spending a few moments with God every day, giving God our list of wants. God, I want this. God, I want this. God, I want this. God, I want that. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is also a matter of spending some time each day of our lives listening Listening for God to speak to us about our own lives. And sometimes God will pat us on the back and sometimes God will confront us with some of those things that we've been struggling with and need to deal with. There's a story about a pastor named Carter Jones. 
who had a small room up in his attic that he used as a, as a place of prayer. And when he was especially burdened, he would make his way up to this room and spend some time, some quiet time with God. And his family knew that when he was up in his attic room, they were not to bother him. But one day, he was up in the attic. He was kneeling beside a chair to pray. And he had hardly begun when the door swung open and there stood his little girl. And the moment his eyes met hers, she knew that she had done something wrong. She had interrupted Daddy while he was praying. But she was a pretty savvy little girl. And so she said, Daddy, you've been so busy lately, I haven't seen you much, and I just wanted to tell you that I loved you. And then she threw her arms around her father's neck and gave him a hug and turned around and was gone as quickly as she came. But when she was gone, Jones continued in prayer. And he said, Father, I've been so busy lately that I haven't had much time for you. I just want to tell you again that I love you. Sometimes we just need to do that. Just spend some time in the presence of God. You know, it is, it's amazing how much strength we can gain for our battle with temptation when we simply spend some time every day just basking in the light of God's love. You don't have to say anything. Just be there with God. Life doesn't have to be like a constant battle to land a giant tuna. We have a friend who wants to help us with our battles. Developing strong, strong willpower or want power, that'll help. Developing good habits, that'll be even better. But folks, let me tell you something. Spending some time in the presence of God every day and asking for God's help. That's the best help that we can get for dealing with our temptations and our struggles. Amen. I think this is a very appropriate hymn to end with. 450, I need thee every hour. Don't we? Don't we? We need God every hour. We can't, we can't deal with all this by ourselves. I think we found out in our own lives that when we try to do things on our own power and our own strength without the help of God, a lot of times we just end up making things really, really bad. We need God. Every day, every hour. And here's the good news. God is there available for us every day, every hour. Let's depend on that.
Let us go into the world, all who are weary and burdened, having experienced for this short hour the rest that comes in the presence of Christ. Go into the world, all who struggle with doing and saying what is right and avoiding the drag of temptation. Go into the world refreshed and encouraged to seek God's will and to do the work of the one who called us to be God's ambassadors. Go with the strengthening knowledge that God goes with you and will protect you and will strengthen you against all temptation. Go in the peace of our Lord. Amen.